Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Oh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 233 of Your Tech Life. And um, in preparation for a conversation I have later in the show, I thought about that. That's four and a half years. I mean, I've been kicking away at this tech game for, I don't know, seven or eight years now um, on the radio. This podcasting caper, four and a half years. Bloody hell. <laughs> but it's um, it's great. Fun to do. Uh, we're a day late this week, mainly because most of the, the content has just simply come about a day late. But I reckon, cracker show, I'm not going to waste time talking about little bits and pieces here. I've got some, I've got a fantastic product to tell you about um, for anyone that has elderly relatives or family that they, well, relatives and family, it's the same thing, um, that they want to keep, not keep track of, it's the wrong word, but that you need to keep track of. It's because it's not a one thing, it's a need. But you want to do it, you know, a little bit more discreetly and, and, and appropriately. It's a fantastic product at a stupidly good price, and I, I think you, you need to hear about that. Um, we've got calls on Belkin Wemo, we've got calls on mobile phone. Great, great question about phones to buy, networks to choose, and laptops to buy. All very, very relevant questions. I reckon you'll want to hear every call, every interview, every minute this week. And I want your feedback. I want to know what you think about the show this week because, um, yeah, I think it's a cracker. Um, tweet me at Trevor Long, uh, twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long, uh, or send me an email. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Uh, the website is where you go to send me an email. If you've got a question about technology, questions about something you need to buy, something you want to buy, Let's chat. I'm happy to help. And uh, a very for people that live in New South Wales, a very interesting conversation this week with the Minister for Transport here in New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian. Uh, and I look forward to that and bring that to you. But it's all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Technologies. This is Your Tech Life. My name's Trevor Long, and you can get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading your tech life. Go to the website eftm.com.au to uh, get in touch, say good day. Any questions, problems, or anything about technology, send me an email eftm.com.au. G'day, Patrick. G'day, Trevor. How you going, mate? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? I've just got a small problem. My um, soon-to-be daughter is turn- my su- my daughter is soon to be turning eighteen. Uh huh. So last year of school and then into uni, and uh, I've got around about fifteen hundred to two grand, probably fifteen hundred ish, to spend on a new laptop. Yep. She's she wants an Apple, and I don't know really what to get her. Can you Ma- help? Oh, I think. Uh, what's she doing at uni? What's she What's she going to study? Uh, I think she's going to end up probably doing stuff to do with criminology, that sort of stuff. Right. So, I think she wants it, to be a copper in the long run. Is it unlikely? Well, is it likely she's going to want to do high end video editing? I would suggest not. Yeah. So that well, that's good because it's a really important thing to rule out because it kind of needs a lot of power needs a different yeah. device. And when you're talking about video editing, you kind of need to start talking about MacBook Pros. And they start at kind of, well, they start at 1500 but let's not kid ourselves. You've got to go up a bit. And you're ending up 2200 is a starting point for a 
uh, a device I would suggest for video editing. Okay, yep. so let's yep. bring it down up down a, a patch and go the MacBook Air, stunning device. I own and paid more than full price in terms of I spec'd it up heavily, the 11-inch MacBook Air, which is very small. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't use it as a daily computer. I use it for, I carry it everywhere with me. But I don't use it, you know, to do all of my writing. I don't use it here and now. I've got a bigger computer on my desk. I think the 13-inch MacBook Air is a beautiful device. It yep. starts. It actually starts at 1250. But look, and if you go to the Apple website, you'll see exactly what I'm looking at. There's one there that that has a 256 gigabyte storage on it, and that starts yep. at 1500. Now, yep. when I say starts at, because there's always little things you can add to it. And I would add to it. I would put the i7 processor in. So here's what we're talking. We're talking MacBook Air. We're talking 13-inch. We're talking i7 processor. We're talking 8 gigabytes of RAM. And if you can stump up, I'd put in the 512-gig hard drive. And, you know, that takes it, because the great thing about the Apple website and all the computer companies have them is you can calculate the price. That takes it to $2,099. Now, that's yep. stretching your budget, but that computer is going to last her three years. Um, it is a beautiful thing. She can do everything she needs to do on it. I don't think she'll have any complaints for a very, very long time, and you will be father of the year. Uh, <laughs> now, if you want to bring it down under two grand, I would I would take the extra RAM out, the extra memory, and I would still put an i7 processor in. I would still yep. put the 512-gig hard drive and yep. that takes it to $1,979. Oh, well, if we're going to go that, we might as well go the whole one. Isn't it funny how that happens? <laughs> because it is, you <laughs> well, know... Yeah, you, you, find it, you find the extra cash if you need to. You, 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 you it's your it's kids, isn't it? You, you know, and you've got to say to her, right, this is, a, this is a very expensive purchase. You could spend less. You need to be very clear with her. You could spend less, right? So let's, let's jump on the JB Hi-Fi website, for example. Uh, and and let's look at a you know a, a laptop. So computers and tablets, uh, laptops. I'm just browsing their website as we speak, and I'm going to look between fifteen hundred and two grand. Now there's a Toshiba Satellite seventeen inch big computer, fifteen hundred dollars. Um, it's got a it's got an i seven. It's got eight gig of RAM. It's got a terabyte of hard drive space. So everything's better than what the MacBook had, and it's much bigger, and it's only fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, you could get uh, another. There's another Toshiba here again, a terabyte hard drive, i7, eight gig, fifteen hundred dollars, and it's a fifteen inch screen. So to be very clear, for five hundred dollars less, you can get a bigger computer with pretty much the same specifications and a bigger hard drive, running Windows. So if she really wants a Mac, you are in in every sense of the word, you're paying a premium. But uh, let me tell you my experience of Macs over having kind of delved into the, the ecosystem over the last four years or so is reliable product, easy to use, um, consistent, uh, and unbelievable, unbelievably good technical support uh, at the Apple stores. Yep. And that's there's a big deal. There's a big thing to say that you've got a problem with your laptop, book a genius appointment, walk in, and they, they tell you what the problem is, and they tell you how to fix it. Or, or they fix it and charge you for it, whatever it might be. But it's very different, and this is nothing against JB Hi-Fi, but it's very different to buying a Toshiba laptop from JB Hi-Fi than having a problem going, where do I go? 
And, you know, JB Hi-Fi don't have a help bar, so they'll just take it and send it. You don't know what's going on. So there is a really amazing thing about the Apple customer service that is worth the money, in my opinion. I have heard that. I don't do Apple myself. I'm an uh, Android man, and um, but I have heard that Apple service is second to none. Yep, and and you won't hear many people say otherwise. Uh, there's always stupid little things that go on, and like for example, my wife um, had to get uh, the screen on an iPhone fixed recently, and the woman was at the, the Apple store was a little bit confusing to her, and she was like, I had to make an appointment, so she didn't feel fantastic about it. But then when we went back in, it was just no no brainer. So it just depends, I guess, on the day to day. There's always the odd weird thing. I find it weird that when you walk in there, like. Where do, whereabouts do you live, broadly? Oh, we're in the ACT. Is there an Apple store in Canberra now? There is, isn't there? Yeah, it's in the new Ca- uh, Canberra centre. So you walk in, right? And and you could... I've walked in, and I remember when I was buying my MacBook Air, I had there was money on the card. I knew what I wanted. I'd already rung. I knew they had stock. It was about 2200 bucks. I was spending about, about, about what you're about to spend. And uh, I just wanted to buy it. And I had to stand next to a table waiting for someone to come over to me and I had to, it's kind of a weird system because you don't go and get what you want and go to the checkout. You know, there is no checkout. So there's a, there's a weird thing about the Apple store, but you get used to it <laughs> and, and it'll be okay. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's, there's a strangely great feeling about spending money with Apple and walking out with a beautiful thing in a bag. So when you, when you buy um, uh, out, of, out of standard, so all those things I talked about adding that you can do on the Apple website, um, they may have one at the Apple store at the Canberra Centre. They may not. They may have to order it in. So it's simply a matter of do you want to just buy it on the internet and have it shipped to you um, in one to three business days or do you want to go and have that purchase experience? doesn't matter either way, so don't don't be afraid of buying it online. They're, 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 so let's, uh, let's recap. It's the 13-inch MacBook Air with the i7 processor, 8 gigabyte of RAM and 512 gig of hard drive. You're your father of the year for many reasons, not the least that you've you've written all that down and don't have to listen back to the podcast to hear it. <laughs> I'll probably be purchasing tomorrow. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thanks Thank for, you for reaching your time out and, and thanks uh, for the uh, thanks I, for the advice. I hope time. that thing serves your daughter very well and she achieves everything she uh, she strives for in uh, university, mate. Good on you. Thanks, mate. What a great dad! Uh, two grand for a laptop and uh, she will love it. Are uh, you listening to your tech life? And it's all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technology. I've told you about the Garmin Vivo Fit, which is their fitness band, which doesn't just track your steps, doesn't just tell you the time. It actually learns about your steps. It actually works with you to create a better goal, a bigger goal to actually push you towards your fitness. It's a very interesting concept, and it comes in a range of colors. 
But here's the cool thing. I found this on, on the Garmin uh, Facebook page because they obviously like them on Facebook, and as should you. Go to facebook.com forward slash Garmin AU, okay? Click like. Now, you know, 11,000 people do, so you should be one of them. And there's a great competition. Um, that's, they've put it up on Garmin uh, Australia's Facebook page. Search for Garmin Australia or go to facebook.com forward slash Garmin AU. Uh, and they've said it's week two of their Vivo Fit Band giveaway for the month of April. They've got two more to give away, and all you've got to do is go to the page and write a comment. Tell them which colour you want. They're going to pick someone on the 14th of April, which is just a few days away. So you've got time, and um, you know there's only uh, 3,800 comments there. So it's, uh, it's a big one um, to win. But uh, get into it, and uh, you could be a winner. There are a great range of products there. Um, stacks of people entering to win that, and you can do the same. Uh, the Vivo Fit from Garmin. Check it out at garmin.com.au um, is the product, and uh, enter the competition. Go to facebook.com forward slash Garmin AU. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you very much for listening, uh, Your Tech Life. You can go to the website, eftm.com.au, to get in touch, say good day. Anything about technology, send me an email. We'll try and help you out. Well, when I started talking about consumer technology on the radio, I don't know, seven years ago, and uh, uh, this podcast four and a half years ago, I don't think even with the most loopy crystal ball, you'd have thought that we'd have one, let alone two issues related to technology to talk about when it comes to things like public transport and taxis. But yet, here we are in 2014. Melbourne's got my key. Sydney's getting Opal. And we've got apps in our pockets that help us find, book and pay for taxis and hire cars. New South Wales Transport Minister Gladys Berejiklian joins me on the show to help us out. Thanks for your time, Minister. Oh, pleasure, Trevor. We could go through the failures of the past decade around the automated uh, payment ticketing system, but uh, let's focus on the positive. Sydney's actually sure. now got a genuine electronic ticket system on ferries and trains, and by the end of the year buses, it must be quite rewarding to see a, a project like this come to fruition under your ministerial oversight. I have to say, Trevor, it's really exciting. I'm really enthusiastic about it because I think customers are going to love the experience and everybody I know who uses the Opal card absolutely loves it. And um, the great thing is also that uh, because, um, regrettably, as you said, we're one of the last major cities in the world to get one, we've been able to learn and observe as to what other cities went through. So when I had to make decisions around how to introduce it, what to offer customers, I've been very mindful of things that didn't go the right way elsewhere, mm. and hopefully that's had a positive impact. So help me out. I'm I'm not a frequent user of public transport, I'll admit to that, but when I do jump on the train at Thornley and head into Antarman or uh, whatever it might be, I grab a single or a return. So the case now is that, um, and I've literally just done this, I've registered for an Opal card on the website, there's a balance on it, and I just, I just got to tap on and tap off, and it charges me per trip uh, by the distance, and I don't need to think about it other than to tap on and tap off and make sure there's money on the card. Exactly, and if you're someone who regularly uses return tickets or single tickets, and when I mean regularly, like a couple of times a week or every now and then, it's up to 13% cheaper on the Opal system, oh. and that doesn't and that doesn't include the fact that after if you're someone that uses public transport every day, after eight paid journeys a week, the rest of the week is free. So if you're someone that catches the train to work every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, including weekend, is completely free. So even if you only Go a few k's every day. On the weekend, you can go on a ferry, go up to the mountains, go down to Kiama, uh -huh. and pay not a cent. So it's a great incentive for people to get onto public transport. There's an incentive and there as well as the simplicity. Yeah. 
Exactly, and you have money in your pocket. And it's great for people, whether you use it every day or whether like you use it infrequently, just to have it in your pocket or in your wallet and not, like an e-tag and be able to whip it out when you need it is fantastic. And you basically, I mean, I could be running up to the station and I don't have to stop because, and get a ticket because I've got the ticket in my pocket at all times. And your only issue is making sure that you keep it topped up. And I just did the, literally it took me, and I'm not lying here, listeners, it took me a minute and a half to go through the maybe four steps of, applying for an Opal card. It's not an application that uh, gets knocked back. It's just putting in your details, telling it how you want it to operate. And one of the options there, Minister, was do I want it to automatically top up? Not dissimilar to how an e-tag works in your car with the RTA, for example, RMS. Uh, It just tops up when it gets to a low balance. That's obviously the recommended way forward so that you don't get rejected at uh, at the ticket counter, I guess. Well, look, yeah, I'm encouraging people to do the auto top-up because it means, as you said, you never have to buy a ticket again. You never have to manually put money on the card. And it means you've always got that source of of, of transport right in your wallet handy, even unexpectedly if you need to use it. And the great thing is, Trevor, um, we're kind of leading the world in the proportion of people who are actually automatically topping up or or having it directly linked to their account. About two-thirds of all of our registered local users are doing it that way, which is phenomenal. Um, In other places around the world, it's it's far less, uh, the percentage is far less. And I think what part of the reason is because um, we're so used to the e-tag concept. People are used to having yeah. that top-up facility and it works really well. And uh, I'm really pleased that we're able to apply it to public transport. And the fact that two-thirds of our customers never have to buy a ticket again is great news. Um, but it also means we can put resources into customer service, into other areas where we really need to make improvements. The the buses are coming next, yeah? So we've got ferries, we've got trains. And I caught a bus, um, I got the train to Hornsby, and I, I, I've only just moved to a slightly new area. And uh, yeah. I'm aware there's buses here, but, geez, they confuse me, buses. I've never really got, my, got a gripper on, on buses, and especially... The, the amount that you have to pay, I have to tell the driver where I think I'm going and all that kind of jazz. So the idea now is that I'll be able to tap on when I get on the bus and when I get off, or is it different for buses because of the way it works? Or does, it, does, the, does the Opal system on a bus have GPS and know where you tap on and where you, where you tap off? Exactly. The, um, the train system wow. obviously works station to station because you, you know, you'll tap on at a station, yeah. tap off at a station, so we'll know where you're going. But that's why buses were left to last because it is the most technically challenging part of the rollout mm. because GPS does work out where you tap on and where you tap off. Uh, and that depends, that determines how much you pay. I catch the bus into work every day, so I can't wait for my bus to have the Apple card. So I don't need to tell the driver what street I think I'm going to. I just got to get on the bus. I know it goes. Yep. I know I'm on the right bus. I just got to yep. wait until, until where I think I'm getting off and just pull the button. Tap off. He, he, he pulls the bus up. I tap off and, and off I go. And it charges exactly. me per the... Oh, gee whiz. And, and some people have said to me, oh, they're concerned about the fact that tapping off means it'll slow down the bus travel. Well, it won't because I spend every morning in the peak waiting for all of us to put Everyone in our ends. And the tra- exactly, or some are prepay. The service I catch in the morning is prepay, but I've still got to wait for everyone to put the travel 10 ticket in and out, which takes time. And on the private buses, drivers even have to manually tick off when customers use the service. But I also want to remind you that the um, Opal card is coming onto government and non-government buses. So if you're on a private bus route, you'll have the Apple card as well. So it won't matter. I mean, as far as the customer experience is concerned, we want it to be seamless. So whether you catch a private bus or a bus run by a private operator or whether you catch a government bus, you'll still have access to the Apple card. Let me just geek out finally on the Opal thing. Um, I like to think into the future a little. Is it possible that with our mobile phone and the NFC and the tap-and-go technology that's coming to mobile phones with banking that... Opal could be an app on our phones where you'll see your balance and you'll just tap your phone on and off with the app open? Completely. Um, at the moment now when you use your Opal card, 
if you're on a, on a you, sorry, on a train at the moment and obviously when buses come online, you can see the balance because it tells you how much you've got left on your card. And if you're, just to get a plug in, if you're someone that doesn't want to directly link the card to your account, you can still manually top it up at newsagents and wherever else. Yep. Um, but obviously um, uh, on, on, on buses and other modes of transport, um, you know, it, it will be much easier to use. You won't have to worry about, in the future, for example, we, we have, we, we've put in place what we call an open system. So right. in the future, credit cards and other things can be adapted to it. But in the first instance, my primary, primary objective is just to get everybody used to the card, used to the system. And then um, because of the technology we have on, in the software, we are able to apply those things in the future. And in somewhere like Hong Kong, you can buy the newspaper and a cup of coffee on your transport card. In Japan, is the same. And London's got a few things like that as well. So there's lots of opportunities and, and great opportunities for me as a transport minister to encourage people onto public transport by providing these incentives through the Opal card. Because in theory, when I get my Opal card, there's only two cards in my wallet that I need, unfortunately, because all my banking cards can be in my phone now. My driver's yep. license and the Opal card are going to be these two. In a couple of years, it'll feel archaic for me. and I'm ahead yeah. of the game, but it'll feel archaic for me to carry a card around. So I'd like to hope that we can tap and go yep. with our phone. And if I can give you one thing, I technically tap and go now with my phone on transport with the Opal card because on the on our website, we've even got these cool phone covers you can buy which stick the Opal card in them. So I actually tap down my phone on the on the oh, Opal card reader. That's a tricky way so, of, of getting around it. Yeah. Well, it gets, sure, but in the interim it gets people because for me, I don't have to search my Opal card in my handbag in the morning. It's mm. always in, on, on my phone. So I just tap my phone down. I mean, if people want to do that, we, we're creating that as an interim step, obviously, to yeah. a, a more yeah. open system in the future. Yeah. So let's, let's move to the taxi system. There's been huge yeah. advances in this space. And I understand that this week the government's announced that the changes to the law Laws relating to taxi and taxi booking and payments will be introduced later this year. What's the driver behind that and what's the broad principles you're looking for? Well, when we when we looked at the, the changes we wanted to make to the taxi industry, one clear one was, well, at the moment, if you use a credit or debit card to pay for a cab, you have to pay a 10% surcharge. There's no real reason for that. No real reason for that. And um, you might know that Victoria recently made changes to that. And we thought, well, let's examine this. Um, mm-hmm. Does it affect drivers? No. Does it affect... Um, the customer, yes, in a positive way. Well, why, why don't we do it? So by the end of the year, we'll be passing legislation and changing regulation, which means that if anybody tries to charge you more than 5% surcharge, it's actually illegal. So we've, we've slashed it down from 10% down to 5%. Is 5% enough? Been... Because with the, I think it's the, the uh, federal regulations that talk about the surcharges in retail stores that can't be higher than the retailer is being charged for the service from MasterCard or Visa or the like, which, you know, by all intents and purposes is about 2%. Yeah. Aren't we still getting getting a little bit, uh, you know, ripped off there with the extra 3%? Well, well, Trevor, well, Trevor, the short answer is it's a good start. Yeah. So this is what we've started with and there might be opportunities for us to look at it in the future. I can't rule that out. But um, we think it's a great start to have it. So on a $50 cab ride, you don't have to pay 5 bucks anymore if you use your credit card. You just pay 250 which is still you know, a considerable percentage, but it's it's less than what you, it's half of what you're paying now for the surcharge. So what's the government's view on the, the apps that are out there like Uber, GoCatch, Ingogo, all very slightly different in many ways. They all do different things. Uh, Ingogo is more about a payment system. GoCatch yeah. is very much a booking system. Uber is kind of an end-to-end system. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be wear my heart on my sleeve here. I use Uber all the time. I just, uh, yeah. I'm just a massive, massive fan of the system for its simplicity. Where, where does that system fit in, within the government regulations? Because let's be clear, the government has to regulate the drivers, the cars, and all those things. Otherwise, it'd be chaos. So, where, do, where exactly. does it fit in? 
Well, at the moment, those kind of apps get no consideration because we do have transport laws that are a bit outdated. They haven't really taken into the fact that taken into account that we've got these great technological innovations. So um, I'm relaxing those laws. We've actually got proposals to put to Parliament which allow people to be able to use apps freely and to have apps developed. And obviously we're working with industry. Um, taxi industry, as you can appreciate, is a bit nervous about it. But as a Minister for Transport, there's two things that motivate me in relation to that. Firstly is customer choice, that the customers choose how they want to get a cab and, 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 and how they want to access that. And secondly, competition, which I think is a great thing. Mm. So um, we actually, some of your listeners might know, on transport, um, I use my transport app every morning when I go to the bus stop. It tells me how many minutes my bus is away in real time. Mm-hmm. So we've got great apps now on trains, buses and ferries. Um, and, you know, why not have them for cabs as well? And I think that's just an extra element of customer choice. And obviously we'll, we'll make sure that um, we ensure safety and customer protections as well. But at the end of the day, I think it's up to the customer to decide how he or she wants to hail a cab and, and how they want to get that service. Yeah. When I get a cab, I got a cab uh, yesterday from Artaman to Karingbar. It was, uh, you know, he, it was via Uber. Uh, he said his meter, it was a completely meter, meter run trip. But this bloke was all over the road. He was scary. And, you know, often you, you, you find it hard. You're in, in, the, in the queue to, to call about these no. things. I was able to just rate the bloke three stars and make a little note about it. And let me tell you, I got an email from Uber the next hour saying, thanks for the feedback, we'll pass it on. And I think when you've got that real one-to-one relationship with every every aspect of it, the driver, the company that you booked it through, um, you, know, you know exactly which cab it was. You've, you've even got the number if you if you do leave your phone in there or you leave a wallet or something. There's a real, there's a real peace of mind, in my view, about having that real uh, end-to-end solution. And I've spoken to drivers who say to me, the, the ability for them to know that I'm going to be there waiting for them is the mm. biggest advantage for them because people just hail cabs even after they've mm. booked one. Mm. And, and that's a great thing mm. for drivers. Mm. No, definitely. And again, it comes down to choice. I mean, some people will always like to do things the traditional way and other people will like you be early adopters and, and use apps. And, um, you know, it's pretty mainstream and commonplace now. So we as a government believe that we need to keep up to date with what the marketplace is doing, what technology is doing, and give people that choice and convenience. And I'm really pleased that that's part of the package of reforms we announced earlier in the week. Just um, finally on, on the Uber-style app, where do hire cars fit into that? Because um, I don't want to preempt, but my very idiotic and simple re- reading of laws and things says that, in fact, they might be on the edge of, uh, of doing the wrong thing already by having uh, a device like an Uber app that, that actually measures distance, time and creating a fare because that's actually not allowed within the hire car exactly. regulations. Exactly. Exactly. We're hot to trot on hire cars not doing the right thing because obviously the difference between a taxi and a hire car is that you've got to, you know, hire cars require a certain amount of pre-booking, come under different guidelines and also, you know, obviously buying or leasing a taxi cab is far, costs the driver um, or the owner far more than it does getting a hire cab you know, a high car tech, uh, license and that's got obvious reasons there. So we've obviously got a lot of compliance people doing on-the-spot checks out there in the industry, making sure people are doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, it's it's illegal for hire cars to go outside their guidelines and uh, do things they're not allowed to do, especially in the pre-booking space. So obviously the, what makes a taxi a taxi is, is the availability to hail one as soon as you see one. Hire cars don't fit into that description. And, so we're and the only way, theoretically, uh, and hire cars can operate in this space, again, by my simple reading of it is 
to perhaps you know it's fine apps are great but um you know you've got a you've got a the pre-booking is hey you're in the car before before you make the booking so that's fine you're not hailing it but it must more be around the actual setting of the fare so that it's not calculating distance and therefore operating as a taxi it seems to me that's the gray area that that hire cars may come unstuck and uber may have some problems with well, obviously, I mean, there's ways. I mean, apps, apps, are, you know, can be adapted according to whatever you know the industry needs. But at the end of the day, our job is to make sure each participant in the industry, whether they're a taxi car or a hire car, are doing the right thing by the customer. And you know, we help to trot to to clamp down on those people that aren't doing the right thing. Why aren't you on Twitter? Oh, <laughs> and very the, good and the, question. The, the very premier, good question. For the Premier didn't reason. put me up to that, I promise. No, you know what? The Premier's always on my back about why I'm not on Twitter. But you know what? It's a personal choice. Yeah. I kind of figure people are interested in what the Premier's doing. I don't really think people care where I am every minute of the day. I think what they want to know is that I'm trying to fix the transport system. So um, I'm kind of obsessed with that. And, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I choose not to be on Twitter. So. <laughs> a personal choice you're entitled to, but uh, maybe... Exactly. Maybe something you need to keep thinking about. We wouldn't mind. Maybe, maybe... Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, hit me. Do you live in Artarman? Because you keep talking about Artarman. No, I work in Artarman. Friend of mine. Ah, you and I live up near Thornley. Oh, okay. There you go. But, uh, you know, and, and it's a funny thing about public transport. I, as I said, your buses freak me out. I don't understand it. When, when Opal's available on buses, I'll be all over them. Absolutely. The train, mm. can I tell you, and again, not really your area because it's in the past, but gee whiz, mm. that Macquarie link that takes me now directly, it's fantastic. Obviously, that's a very personal thing because Thornley to Artarman is fantastic now. Yeah. You don't have to change trains or go anywhere. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The, yeah. the advances we've made in the, in the transport system are fantastic. And I think that the um, that the past is not really an issue anymore, and we've got this great system. Um, the adoption rate seems pretty good, but I think that the, it's the casual and infrequent users of public transport that that we now need to be talking to about Opal, so that they 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 realise what it is and aren't afraid of it. Exactly right. And word of mouth has been a really strong advocate in this. We've found a lot of people who use the system are actually telling their friends about it, which is working really well as well. Minister, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Trevor. And thank you for listening to Your Tech Life. My name is Trevor Long. Get in touch anytime you want. Just go to the website eftm.com.au and say good day. you got a question, a problem, anything about technology, eftm.com.au as Ben did. G'day, mate. Hi, Trevor. How you going, mate? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Um, just had a few questions to ask you. Um, we're looking at changing over to um, the new um, Vodafone 4G network. Rightio. Um, I wanted to see what you thought of that and also... Um, with the new phones, I'm either going to go the, the M8 or the S5, the oh, Galaxy or the... Biggest decision in the world right there. Yeah, that's what I'm not too sure about either. Right, well, let's let's address... Uh, you know what? Let's talk phones first because yep, okay. the network is irrelevant when it comes to choosing between those two phones. Um, yep. The What is it that, you, that appeals to you about either or both? You've got the M8 from HTC, the HTC One, uh, you've got the Galaxy S5. Uh, what, what appeals to you on on either one of those? I just that I've been been Samsung man the whole way through, so yep. I'm an S4 at the moment. I thought I might as well upgrade to the S5, but then I've seen the HTC and I thought maybe not. Like, so you've got an sure. S4 right now. Yep. Okay. And wh- are you off contract? I mean, that's you're, yeah, you're yeah, lucky. Yeah, you're yeah, lucky I bought it there. Uh, I bought it outright. So, yeah. And can you uh, hand me down that one or resell it? <laughs> I think the wife will get it. Ah, uh, that's well, that's fine. You know, the really important thing I'd say to you first up, and and Samsung would hate this, but the very fact is that 
being a Samsung man is not like being an Apple man. So many people ask me, how do I go from Apple to Samsung or Apple to HTC? That's a big deal because you're, you're moving apps, you're moving music, you're moving a lot yeah. of, and, and it's a different experience. However, the Samsung Galaxy S5 and the HTC One are identical pieces of software with different uh, themes to them. You know, the icons look different. They're, they've got yep. some really nice software layers in them, but essentially... Everything else is the same. If you've got apps that work on your current S4, they will work on either of those phones. If you've got music that lives in the cloud somewhere, that'll work on either of these phones. So the system that you currently use to interact with that phone, to, to buy things on that phone, it's all exactly the same. So okay, you yeah. don't need to worry about moving from Samsung to HTC. I would say to you that moving from the S4 to the S5 is as different as moving from the S4 to the HTC One. Because the S5, okay. they've done some really nice redesigns in the software. So, you know, when you drag your finger down from the top and you get your menu and you go into the, uh, the there's all those blocks of little little icons like yeah, airplane mode and stuff. You know, they've changed the icons. They've, they've, re, they've renamed GPS. They've just called it location. They've done some really nice little tweaks there. It's got this ultra power saving mode, which blows your mind. From 10% battery, you can go for a day. Uh, oh, really? Unbelievable stuff. But the HTC has that as well, just by a different okay. name. Honestly, you know, this is, and I haven't yet fully reviewed the S5. I haven't written about it. I've written about the HTC One, and I'm pretty confident it's going to be the phone of the year. Um, because, okay. mate, it's this beautiful, full metal construction. It feels like every dollar worth of what you've paid for it. Um, there's just something about the construction that I love. I think the HTC Blink Feed, which was their, which is their way of bringing all your social content and website content together, is actually very good if you start to use it. Um, I think most of the other features within the phone are great. The camera's gimmicky but cool, whereas on the Samsung Galaxy S5, all that same stuff applies. The big kicker is it's waterproof. Yeah, that's, yeah. See, now, that's my that's, main concern too with the, with the Samsung. I, um, I'm, ha I'm extremely happy with the camera on the S4, and I didn't want to change... I'm not too sure about that dual camera on the HTC. I wasn't too sure what the quality is going to be like. Oh, don't worry about that. Compared the, to the Samsung? The, well, okay. You know, it's probably... Uh, oh, I'd have to wait to see someone do a side-by-side -side with the S4. The yep. S5 camera will probably be better in, in, in everyday tests than the HTC One. Um, yep. Just because of the megapixel count, probably. But I don't know yep. about <clears> you, Ben, but, you know... Photos I'm taking, I'm putting on Instagram. I'm putting on Facebook. Yeah, I'm not printing things out. And, you know, it's really low light is the big area of, of differentiation between these phones. And if you're taking a lot of low light photos, then maybe one or the other will work for you better and it's probably going to be the Samsung. But if you're just okay. taking a lot of great photos, the HTC, mate, I'll tell you, it's it's snappy. The, the You're taking photos really quickly. I've had no problems with it. I've been using it full on as my primary device now for, for nearly two weeks. I take a lot of photos of my kids, um, and I've been an iPhone man for a very long time. I don't feel like I'm missing out with the HTC One. Okay. Okay. Um, so you know you've got to you know what you need to do. You need to feel. You need to sit in a store and hold them both, feel them both, and really get a sense of which one you know you like liked in your hand and in your in your pocket and that kind of stuff because really they're going to do the same thing. That's that's the tragic thing about. Um, Samsung's ability to make you feel like it's this amazing thing when really it's just an Android phone with a whole stack of features that a lot of other phones already have. Okay. What, um, 
So, so really, mate, I can't answer your question, but I can give you that information. Uh, I love. You know, I, I, I do definitely want to hear back from you as to what you buy, yeah, because the and the reasons you buy it. That's a real indicator for me of as, of why people make decisions. I I don't know what drives people to make those decisions. So then your big thing is, is Vodafone. So what? Um, who are you with now? Oh, at the moment, I'm with um, Amazim, like the unlimited thirty nine ninety five, whatever it is, Optus. for five five yep. gig data or that. Yep. And just, I've just seen this lately. There's been a few dropouts, and the, the internet speeds not up, not up quick enough, and yep. you know, it's worth a change. And the other Vodafone one I'm looking at is the eighty dollars unlimited with the five gig of data. So you're happy to double your spend? Yeah, yeah. As long as we're not, we get a lot. I'm on the phone all day, basically. You know, mm. six, seven hours of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. It's five gig of data, mate, and uh, it's unlimited calls, unlimited texts. Um, you do, you know, your it does say infinite one three and one eight hundred numbers, but this that might have changed because I'm sure I was getting charged for one three numbers. I was ringing my last couple of bills. I think I'm on the I think it's sixty five dollar red plan, and I've getting yeah. these seventy or eighty dollar bills. And uh, okay. it turned out that when I was ringing Big Pond or Foxtel and I was on the phone for twenty minutes, I was getting charged ten bucks. Um, so that's that's probably a good thing. It looks like there. Do you go overseas at all? No, no. That's where it comes with eighty dollars international credit or something as well. I've well, it's the red roaming, mate. The roaming is unbelievable with these with these Vodafone plans. The fact that you can uh, go overseas and pay five bucks a day to still use your normal five gig of data, mind blowing stuff. So really, it comes down to if you're willing to pay double, then you are gonna be you're gonna love the speed of the Vodafone four G network. Yeah, that's, that's my main concern. Is the is the speed up to what they're saying it's up to? I've tested the Vodafone network a lot for two reasons, and I'll be very upfront with you here, two reasons. One, when I first tested it, I wrote an article that said Vodafone had the fastest network in Australia. And uh, Vodafone actually quoted me in an ad at one point on that, and then Telstra sued them. It was a big deal. And you know what? I stand by that claim. Vodafone, when you use it, mate, I got a, I was standing at the park. You might, I think you follow me on Instagram. You might have seen this yeah. photo. I was standing at the park watching my son play soccer. I did a speed test. It was 112 meg download, 25 meg upload. I've got cable internet at home that cannot come near that, right? Now, that I'm not in the city. I'm in, I'm out. Up near Hornsby, right? I'm in a in a in a you know normal everyday suburb, and I'm getting this cracking speed. Um, what you need to do, and this is the great thing, and I'd love to know your experience. When you go into a Vodafone store, they will ask you your address, they will ask you where you work, and they will check the coverage in those two areas and say to you, "It's good in these areas. Anywhere else you go frequently, you can do this on the Vodafone website as well." Now, I in your yeah, email, I check that out. In your email, you mentioned your suburb. I've just looked for it. We won't say it on air, but. What I, it looks to me like you've got good coverage there, so that's yeah. a good thing. Um, the the 4G, though, you know, it, it really is one of those things that is either smack hot going great guns or it's not. Yeah. But the great thing yeah. is, mate, when it's not, it's still like 20 meg downloads. <laughs> that's the okay, worst yeah. I've ever seen. Um, my, main concern, my main concern was the Vodafone, now that they've got the fast 4G, is it going to slow down once everyone starts coming back onto 4G Vodafone? I don't think so. Uh, we, we've not seen any indication that that is actually happening. Now, sadly for Vodafone, they're not picking up customer, customers by the hundreds of thousands, right? So you're still in the minority. And, you know, they, they're not happy with that. They'd love to be number two carrier, let alone number one. But they're not going to be number one. Telstra is picking up customers hand over fist because they are, they are quickly merging people to the 4G network by default. Whereas with Vodafone, you've got to choose to go back to them, essentially. 
So yeah. no, the, I've mate, I've been using and testing the Vodafone 4G network since it started. Um, I used to, when it first started, I got these peaks at 100, and I got these averages of around 40 to 60 meg downloads. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. think back, 40 to 60 meg downloads. That's what we're talking about. Um, and I'm still getting that. So I've not seen any degradation in the network, even though they are switching people to 4G. I don't think you'll have a problem like that. And I don't probably don't make as many calls as you maybe, but I certainly haven't had dropout issues. Um, I used to have, and I, 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 the people at Vodafone are just lovely people. So I'm happy to share with them regularly my thoughts. And I, I do. Um, I used to, when I was originally on Vodafone, probably a year and a half ago, I used to get a lot of, I'd have to turn airplane mode on and then turn it off again so that I could just kind of reset the data. I don't have to do yep. that anymore. So they've okay. definitely improved their network. Um, yep. And I, I don't think, as long as you're in the kind of metro area and you're not going out bush, um, that's the only time you'll you'll really struggle with the, with the networks is when you go Coonabarabran and, and everyone else has got a Telstra phone and it's working and you've got Optus or Vodafone and it's not. Okay. But it is double the price, what? mate. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the that's the only problem. But you know what, you're, you're going to pay for the quality, I suppose. If you're going to get good service and yeah. good speed, Look, I'm willing to pay it. I don't know that they still have it, but they did have that 30 day thing going on. So I, yeah, I, they still got that at the moment. Yeah, that's I'm why like, that's why I'm interested in it too. I might take that and see how we go. I would, mate. I would do that. I would go to all your regular haunts. I would um, be careful with the data, mate, and especially speedtest.net, which is a fantastic app. But it yeah. chews through like hundreds of megabytes of data. <laughs> so just be very careful. Yeah. Get it, download it, because every now and then you want to see the speeds. It blows your mind. Yeah, but, I've got that on my phone now, yeah. But just be just be very careful. It chews up your data. But remember, with your Android phones, you've got those great data managers that can help you and prompt you when you're hitting your limits. So, yeah. um, yeah, mate, I think you, you'll you'll enjoy the Vodafone network. I think you've got that 30 days to play with it. And um, you walk back into the store and say, no, nope, don't like it. You've got an S4. Don't give it to your wife for a month until you've until you've agreed to the to the Vodafone network. And then yeah. if, you, if you agree to stay on the network and stick with one of those new phones, then give your wife the, the S4 and you're off and running. Yep, I have no worries. Good on you, mate. Thanks for the chat. And uh, I'd do. i love an email uh, from you when, you when you make your decision on both network and, uh, and phone. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for your time. Good on you, mate. And uh, you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. You know, I love to see uh, different innovations in technology, and it's such a fun part of the job to see different um, ideas that come about. And sometimes, you know, ideas that, that don't go anywhere. Sometimes ideas that get incorporated into other areas. And I think one of the key things I saw as a subtle underlying uh, message out of CES, the Consumer Electronics Show this year, um, most specifically, more than more than ever before, was the idea of sensors and how... Sensors can enable us in so many ways, and a lot of people think of sensors as a a big brother kind of thing. And and you know why would you want everything in your life being censored? But I think uh, I've stumbled across a concept, a, a product, an initiative that changes the way you should think about sensors and how they could enable something very different in our lives. And uh, the man behind this is David Glickman uh, from Lively. G'day, David. Hi, good morning. How are you? Thank you so much for the time. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very well, and thank you for um, getting up very early, uh, U.S. time, to talk about this. Tell me about Lively. Uh, describe Lively in, your, in, in the way you, you're, you've worked in the startup field, uh, venture capital, in this kind of space for a long time. You've probably had to do the, the elevator pitch so often for so many products. What's the elevator pitch for Lively? 
Well, briefly, so myself and two others, uh, two, two of my business partners, uh, started Lively in 2012. And what we really focus on is wanting to create a very simple solution to enable elders, all of our elders, our loved ones, to live in their own home independently for as long as possible. And really what we're focused on is bringing peace of mind to all of us who care for our elders and peace of mind around that they're doing okay, that they're eating and drinking approximately when they should be, they're taking their medication, uh, and they're, they're just living life. Uh, and, and in essence, really focused on making sure that there isn't something out of pattern in the normal living uh, that they have on a daily basis. And as you said, it's, it's really in this realm of Internet of Things of not sharing too much information about their daily lives because if you talk to elders, they don't want to overshare but enough, share enough information about their daily patterns so that their loved ones do have peace of mind about how they're doing and how they're going about their day. And if something is amiss, meaning if they maybe miss their medication or if they're not being as active in the kitchen, let's say, then we're able to give them a call or stop by and check up on them and make sure they're doing okay and, and be closer to them and be more connected to them. And so we just use very simple technology to help accomplish that. So the the concept of Lively is a, a bunch of sensors. And I, I, I must say, I saw a product, uh, it was called Mother at CES, and it was similar, I, I, I would say to you. It, it worked on the idea of the, a kind of central hub and then these little uh, little things you attach to stuff. And um, it, it got me very intrigued by this space, and you've really put it into in, into into works here in, in a real environment, uh, talking about... And let's give some examples. You talk about medication. Uh, you talked about regular things. So let's talk about the fridge and, and your medication. Now, my mother-in-law had a heart transplant. She's not elderly, but she's certainly now, you know, older than me. Uh, but she now needs to take medication on a very regular basis. And I guess if we had concerns about her in, in 10 or 15 years, she's still going to have to take that medication. It's a very important thing to keep her body in sync with that heart. If she misses that medication by several hours, it becomes a bit of a problem. So what the sensors do uh, medication-wise is, is monitor the pillbox, for example. If the pillbox hasn't moved, the sensor doesn't register a movement. Is that correct? That's correct. You have it exactly right. So the way it works is you, uh, there's two sensors for medication that come with the product. The sensor is about the size of a 20-cent of a coin or so, uh, and it attaches to a pillbox, so a, a medication dispenser. And if that doesn't move uh, at the time that you asked it or prescribed it to move, then a notification goes out, both to your mother-in-law in this example, if she so, choose, if she so chooses, as well as to uh, family members. And those family members are the ones that she's invited to be able to get those notifications over their smartphone or uh, through email. Um, very simple notifications that say, hey, mom might have messed her medication at 9 a.m. when she's supposed to take it. You might want to give her a call and check in. And, and you, very, you can put together simple. a story, really, can't you? Because you could have a, um, when you think, and I think, then I, then I think about my, my dear Nana, um, who's well into her 90s, but lives at home. It's fantastic. But, you know, she's had the odd fall. There's been, been situations. Um, if we were to have a sensor that, that said, you know what, the the bathroom door hasn't hasn't moved in a day. Uh, the, the the fridge hasn't opened in in six hours. These things are unusual, uh, and that's not that's not within pattern. 
I might get an alert, which which just simply allows me to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, Nana, how are you going?" I don't even need to tell her that that that's that's something that I'm calling about. She knows that I've got this information, but I can just say, "Hey, how you doing?" And if she needs something, she can ask me. Or obviously, if it's if she doesn't answer the phone, I can ring ring someone else for support, and we could go around there. Those kind of things are the kind of things that can come from this kind of information willingly shared. That's right. And one other piece of it is. It also allows for, I'll use a word that often we hear from, from elders who, who live on their own, which is family members who call and nag them. And they kind of go through a checklist of, are you taking your medication? Have you been eating and drinking? Have you been active, getting it out of the house and, and, uh, and just moving around? Have you been opening the bathroom door? Whatever those areas might be. And it becomes a checklist conversation, which is really what we don't want as families. We want to actually just call our Nana or whoever it might be, and just have a conversation and ask how they're doing. Well, with Lively, that can occur because most of the time, literally everything's fine. Everything's okay, and that's wonderful. If one thing is out of pattern, it allows you to call and have a conversation just about that one area and mm. instead of going through the, the routine of the nagging call that goes through that checklist. And so in, a, in, in one of your examples, it could be just checking in on, um, on food and drink because you notice the refrigerator door hasn't been moving. But not have to talk about medication, not have yep. to talk about bathroom. And, and you know what my mum would do? My mum would uh, intentionally leave the fridge door shut for as long as it takes me to call just so she could talk to me. Uh, <laughs> that that may be the case. Uh, but it's a great way of, of kind of, as you say, taking away the, the, the concern around individual things and creating a just a conversation about you know how someone is as opposed to having a whole list of things you've got to talk about. So what's the model? I mean, what's the, what's the, the purchase model? Because it's obviously a very connected system. Uh, you would need a Wi-Fi network in the home of the, of the person using it. Uh, you would need an internet connection, so you're getting that external sharing. What's the pricing model? Just buy it up front, or how does it operate? Yeah, so the, the price model, and I also want to come back, uh, I'll talk about the price and then come back and talk about one other area around connection and your point about your mom wanting you to, to call, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. In terms of the, the price, actually, you don't need Internet connection in the home of the loved one, and that's part of the design here because the idea is that hub, you plug it into the wall, and it just starts to work, and it connects to the Internet via a cellular connection, and that's uh-huh. important because... For many people living independently, they either don't have Internet in the home, or if they do, it complicates the setup because you then have to connect a hub to a Wi-Fi station, Uh and they might not be able to do that. So literally, you just plug this hub in. It just starts working. They don't have to set anything up. Literally plug it in, and the lights come on. And then you place the sensors around the home with uh, a very simple process of the adhesive on the back of the sensor, and you stick it on the objects that we've been talking about. The price is... Uh, very inexpensive. Uh, that was one of the designs that we saw. Many products were uh, quite expensive, uh, much more expensive than we felt they, they really needed to be. Uh, and so the, the price is about $145 one time to buy the product. So you only have to buy that one time. And then it is $19.95 per month. And that includes that connection that we talked about, the cellular connection. It includes as many people in the family having access to this information, including the ability to download a, an app uh, on their iPhone or Android. 
uh, device that allows them to see uh, the, the dashboard that we've loosely been talking about, which are just a series of faces that are green smiley faces when everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And if they miss their medication, it turns to a yellow, uh, yellow face. And if they miss it again, it might turn to a red. It's a very simple, simple tool. What it also includes, and this gets back to the connection piece, is something that is designed for exactly what you were talking about when your mom simply wants you to call. And that's something called Livegram. So once per month, included in this uh, price, is Livegram, which shows up in the postal mail. And it is a printout. Think of it as a, uh, almost a, a little photo booklet that has a series of photos up to eight per edition. So eight photos per month that come printed out literally on a bright orange, in a bright orange envelope, uh, in, a, in a bright cover. And your mom opens it up, and it's pictures that loved ones, including yourself, siblings, friends, whoever it might be, have sent via the Lively app and uh, website. And the way it works is, as you go about living your day, you think, oh, you know, mom might want this, uh, or my grandmother or whoever might want this photo. That would be wonderful if they received it. You Mm -hmm. upload it from your phone. Uh, You can actually upload it from Facebook or Instagram or any of the services that you use. Mm -hmm. But that oftentimes someone in their 80s or 90s or or even younger might not be, yeah, they're not on there. They don't have an interest to be on there. And so you upload those photos, and that's all you have to do, nothing else. Then we as Lively, once per month, download uh, those different photos from the various family members, print them out in this Lively grand mailer, and drop it in a postal mail. Fantastic. So your loved one, all they need to know how to do is go to their postal box, and Livegram shows up. And that comes once per month. And I can so put a Lively sensor on the, uh, on, the, on the mailbox and check that it's been used once a month. You could if you wanted. That's a good, you definitely could. But what's wonderful about Live Grand is that it helps with the conversation and the connection piece. Because now when our loved one gets photos, they have, they have context for what's going on in the lives of their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whoever it might be. They now know that there was a football match that their, that their 12-year-old grandson was, was part of. And now they can reach out and talk about that. Or the next time you call, you can talk about some of the photos and updates that you have sent as, as a family member. And this, this Livegram piece has been a, a tremendously successful part of Lively and changing the conversation that, that families have and also changing what Lively is about. It's not just about sharing my activities of daily living. It's also about the fact that I get more content and more connection with my family as someone who's, who's living independently. It's a fantastic idea. I mean, obviously, I can see see the model. Uh, the fact that the connectivity is included in Australia. Do you know which mobile network it's it's based on? We actually have a, a partnership with uh, Vodafone okay. that allows us to uh, have the system working in Australia as well as roam on other networks if there isn't uh, coverage in the area that that someone's in. And so okay. we've tested it thoroughly with our with our partner uh, in Australia, Hill Holdings who is our um, exclusive partner in Australia for um, the marketing and the, um, and the distribution of Lively. So they'll yeah. be partnering with retailers and other, other outlets in Australia to make this available to consumers. Fantastic. All right, look, I love the idea. Uh, you know, it's fascinating space. And from the people that brought us the Hills Hoist in Australia, they're distributing such a great little thing. Um, 
you know, I, I guess it's a tough one because it's a it's a challenge for people to even begin to have that conversation that it's needed. Um, in a lot of places, that's probably the, the biggest challenging part because from a pricing point of view, I don't even see it being a barrier. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've already sent, just while we're speaking, I've sent a Facebook message to my brother saying, Here, have a look at this. I think we should get this for Nana, who is the you know late 90s, living in, in rural New South Wales. Plenty of family around, but still independent. And I think it'd be a wonderful thing there. So um, I don't think it's a hard thing to convince people to do. It's probably, you know, and that's why we're talking. It's all about awareness and getting people to know that it exists. And it's it's as simple as you describe. I, I think it's fantastic. And you should be congratulated for the idea, let alone um, the, the potential success that you could have from it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for your, your kind words and, and clearly spending time really um, getting to know and understand the, the product. You're exactly right. It, the price point was an important piece here, was to, to make it very affordable so that families could try it quickly. And also the design. We didn't talk too much about that, but just very briefly, when people look on the website, they'll get a sense for it. Uh, the design was very important to make it friendly and warm. Yeah. It sounds very simple, but products uh, in, in this space, we often say, are, are big, beige, and boring. And, yeah. and that's, that's problematic. Everybody appreciates great design, no matter if you're 10 years old or 90 years old. Mm. And, and we've gotten a lot of accolades and, and some design awards already for just creating something with that warm feeling so that it does make it easier to have that conversation and put it in the home of, of your loved one that you care about. Yeah. I'll put a heap of photos up on, on my website as well as a link uh, to have a look at more information. Uh, but it's called Lively, uh, and uh, you should check it out if you've got... Um, um, senior uh, relatives or, or family and friends that uh, that you want to you know stay connected with without the awkwardness of those conversations and certainly if you have a, a concern for their ongoing welfare it's a fantastic way to, to give you that peace of mind uh, good on you mate and uh, and thank you very much for, for chatting and, and thank you for getting up so early uh, David Glickman the uh, co-founder and uh, CEO of Lively thank you mate thanks so much for having me Thank you for listening. Uh, do follow me on Twitter. Say g'day at Trevor Long, or you can get in touch via the website eftm.com.au. G'day, Anthony. Hey, Trevor. What can I do for you, buddy? Uh, probably a month or so back, I heard you talking to another caller about their Wemo switches and the issues they were experiencing. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but I remember the call for sure. Yeah, I'm having those um, same issues myself, and I was wondering if you were able to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, so what sort of phone have you got? Um, I've got a, an Android phone. I've got a Note 3, but we also have um, iPads in the house, and, and they occasionally have the same problem as well. It's really interesting. I've not had the problem now for about three weeks, and I don't know whether it's... And I don't remember doing firmware or anything on the devices, and I wondered whether they had sorted something out in the back end. So talk me through what you're seeing, and um, and we'll do what we did uh, last time, and I'll, I'll pass you on then to, to Belkin. And I think we'll, at the same time we'll ask um, how they resolved the previous issue. So what, what have you got? How, how many switches have you got? Um, I've only got four. I don't have as many as you guys, but um, it's still really, really irritating if you want to turn the light on or off, and then you suddenly go to the app and they all spin around and then they all go grey and say they're not detected. Right. And, and then so, you've got to so on any device, close. On any device you go to, you open... I'm just opening up mine now. I'm running it on Android 2 at the moment. Mm. Um, and I do... Often you get the spinning, spinning, spinning. I'm looking at my daughter's room. Yeah. is currently spinning, spinning. Um, why is my son's light still on? It's quarter to nine at night. That's a bit of an issue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to turn the light off on him and see what happens there. And uh, he might get the irrits with me. But anyway... 
Um, it didn't go didn't go grey on me. So this is the thing I haven't seen the grey stuff for ages mm. on it. So I wonder, um, have you checked the firmware on them? Yeah, they're all up to date. Right. Um, what about your network? So this is happening when you're at home too, right? Yeah, yeah. Only when I'm um, at home. It, I, if I change it onto 4G or 3G, um, then I'm able to. Oh. Um, to turn the switches on or off. So, yeah, I've always got to remember to turn my Wi-Fi off before I go into the app to, to turn the light on or wow. off. So what you're saying mm. is on, on your home Wi-Fi network, you have worse results than when you're connected while you're at home just to a 3G or 4G network. Yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. That is insane. Anything um, anything about your Wi-Fi network that you think might... I mean, I'm just trying to troubleshoot before we you know go... Clutching at uh, at Belkin straws, but um, mm. is your Wi-Fi network a single network? Is it dual band or anything like that? So do you have a five G and a two point five G network in your Wi-Fi? Lost you. Hello. Sorry, mate. Lost you there for some reason. Never mind. Yeah. Um, I'll just pick it up with the same question I was at. Yeah, sure. So is there anything about your Wi-Fi network that might be suspicious that we should look at? Like, um, does it, is it like you're operating dual band? I often wonder whether I've got this, uh, I call mine EFTM Studio, and I have an EFTM Studio 5G version as well, and I wonder whether it's the fact that I connect on the different, um, the different frequency. Is there anything like that you might want to try? Um, I've got something similar. I've got the the two running as well, and I find um, it's actually better if I run my app on the other network that the Wemo's not on. Um, so it's sort of like I'm I'm running on the 3G network because it's not on the same network as the as the Wemo. It seems to work better, um, which is re- yeah really really strange. Um, but yeah, like like you know, if you're running it on a different network or through 3G, it's um quick to turn them on and off so it's yeah a little irritating like that so i've tried um rebooting my network um restoring the the wemos and starting from scratch and i still end up at the the same place yeah. as i did before all right well let's um i think it's i mean we've, we've troubleshooted the, the, the life out of this and you sound like you've done everything and you're pulling your hair out so let's try and make things better for you Oh, look, I'll, I'll pass you on directly because you won't mind me passing on your contact details to the, no, to the support fine. team at Belkin. Um, you know, I think, you know, this is this is a young product and you kind of notice yeah. those things. And it's one of the things interesting that sometimes you also get used to those things and you forget yeah. that it's actually frustrating you. So you just by default are probably now switching off the Wi-Fi and not worrying about it. But, yeah, you've got to get that kind of thing fixed and it's probably a very simple thing. So let's, um, I'll pass you on and we'll, and we'll see what uh, Belkin have to say about it. All right, mate? Yeah, I'd love that because it's a, a really great product, and I've got my friends and family hooked. But um, they uh, they pester me now if if they have the similar problems. So yeah. it'd be good to um, to get to the box. But... All right, you stay there. I'll get all your details. Thanks for getting in touch, mate. Thanks a lot, Trevor. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website eftm.com.au. Oh, thank you for listening. Oh, I'm exhausted. What about you? Um, what's that? Ticked in over an hour. So uh, thank you for giving me all of your time this week. Uh, thank you for your downloads. Thank you for your recommendations. Thank you for going to iTunes and rating, listing. 
leaving comments, um, some wonderful comments being made there. And it really helps me because uh, it keeps me inspired. I'm ready to you know, kick on, keep doing this, but it also helps other people find uh, the show and uh, and hopefully get involved with it as you do with your questions and, and uh, problems about technology. It's always great to help you out and and talk to people about that. Um, so you can uh, you can check it out on iTunes or whatever app you are using. Um, I, I oh, one of our earlier callers, Anthony, told me what app he was using. I don't have it in front of me, but it was lovely to hear. Um, and Bam Bam Biederman, uh, thank you for your comment uh, on March the twenty third on iTunes. Um, who's been a part of the show a couple of times. So it's great to hear um, from feedback from you. I hope you enjoyed the, this week's show. Um, it's going to be tough to top that next week, I reckon. I don't know. I don't know why I feel like it was a great show, but um, it was good to do it. And uh, episode 154 of Two Blokes Talking Tech this week was also a bit of fun. So enjoy that content um, while you drive, walk, run, or sleep. Whatever it is, however you listen, thanks for listening, thanks for downloading. This is Your Tech Life. My name is Trevor Long. Check me out uh, on Twitter at Trevor Long or go to the website, eftm.com.au. 